Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. Well, we continue with our series, Uncovered. Our topic for today is Reception Uncovered. As we start to think about the way in which we receive God's words, both law and gospel. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. This morning's gospel reading and our sermon text today, John chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began to tell them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They all spoke well of him and were impressed by the words of grace that came from his mouth. And they kept saying, Isn't this Joseph's son? He told them, Certainly you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown everything we heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But truly, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut for three years and six months, while a great famine came over all the land. Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was healed except Naaman the Syrian. All those who were in the synagogue were filled with rage when they heard these things. They got up and drove him out of the town. They led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he passed through the middle of them and went on his way. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Amen. Today, as we continue our Epiphany series, Uncovered, we turn our thoughts to the topic, Reception Uncovered. If you remember back to last Sunday, we talked about a reception, too. There was a reception at Cana where a wedding had taken place, and they had this little embarrassing crisis that came up. They had run out of wine, and our Lord Jesus, in his mighty power, simply changed water into wine. And the Bible tells us that when the disciples saw the Lord revealing his glory by means of that miracle, they put their trust in him. The Holy Spirit worked in their, in their hearts and they threw a reception in their hearts to receive Jesus as their Savior. It was a wedding reception. 
Do you ever stop and really think why we call that dinner and dance a wedding reception? Well, of course, it's because historically that was a time for this new bride and groom to receive, to show hospitality to their family and friends who had been invited to the wedding. It was a way for them to welcome them and to show hospitality for the first time as husband and wife. A wedding reception is a happy time. Might it get us to think, though, about the kind of reception that the Word of God gets? Now, you might think that the Word of God would find a happy, welcome reception wherever and whenever it's preached and proclaimed, because it is, after all, the Word of God, not the Word of men. And it's easy to be shocked or surprised when God's Word is ignored or even flat-out rejected when that Word is shared with someone. And when that happens, it's easy to conclude that maybe we did something wrong. We didn't do it right. Instead, we come to find that rejection is often the rule, not the exception. And so today we find ourselves up in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, the place where he grew up. It's the Sabbath day, and Jesus is at the synagogue. He's invited to be the guest preacher that day in the synagogue, and there in Nazareth is where he apparently chose to begin what we might call his prophetic ministry. Now, realize that the Holy Scriptures describe the work of Jesus in terms of three offices. He is our king, he is our priest, and he is our ultimate prophet. And we see Jesus here beginning his work as the ultimate prophet in Nazareth, as he is preaching and teaching, proclaiming the saving truths of the kingdom of God. And and what happened on that particular Sabbath day up in Nazareth serves as a preview and as a bit of a pattern of how our Savior's work as the prophet would go. Have you ever shied away from telling someone something because down deep inside you knew that they wouldn't react well. You have to be really careful because there's someone who's super sensitive at work and will be absolutely crushed and devastated if you point out a simple mistake. Or maybe one of your children so dramatically reacts to just about everything that you greatly limit what you share with them. Not Jesus. He never shied away from proclaiming the truth. He never shied away from telling the truth about who he is, and he never shied away from telling people the truth about who they are. I wonder if there was a buzz in the air in the synagogue on this particular Sabbath day. Jesus, Nazareth's hometown hero, was back in town and was going to be the guest preacher that morning. He had been down in Judea where he was baptized by John, of course. But now Jesus is back and he's going to be the one who preaches the sermon this Sabbath day. And you wonder, well, how, what kind of reception would he receive? Well, let's unpack some of the receptions that we find here in our text. First of all, in verse 16, we're told that Jesus, as was his custom, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, don't miss that. 
Jesus went to church. Jesus took time to worship. Now, my point here is not to shake a finger and say, well, you should go to church. Jesus went to church. Not that. But I want you to receive here this wonderful truth that Jesus entered into this world to obey all the commandments in our place. He came to live as our substitute. And one of those commandments, we call it the third commandment, is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And in that commandment, God commands his people to love his word and to worship him regularly. So friend, receive this welcome picture of your Savior giving perfect worship in your place. And let the love that Christ has shown to you in coming here to earth to be your Savior make you willing and eager to worship him. Not every now and then, but every week. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. They handed Jesus the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus unrolled it and opened it to the place that we know as Isaiah chapter 61, the words that we heard in our first reading this morning. And there it said, the Spirit of the Lord, that's the Holy Spirit, is on me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Reception uncovered. Jesus had received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We heard about that when he was baptized in the Jordan by John. He was singled out as God's heaven-sent messenger to preach the gospel, to preach good news. Isaiah 61, let's be very clear, was talking about Jesus. And so after reading this Old Testament prophecy about what the coming Messiah would do, Jesus rolls up the scroll and he sits down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fastened on their hometown hero. And they lean in to see what kinds of clever things Jesus would say. I guarantee you they weren't expecting to hear what Jesus said. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You get that? Jesus didn't shy away from telling people the truth about who he is. He was going on record. He was telling the people of Nazareth, look, everyone, listen, I'm not just Joseph the carpenter's son. I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I am the promised Christ. I am the heaven-sent Savior, the long-awaited Savior who's come into the world. Jesus didn't shy away from telling people the truth about him, and he didn't shy away from telling the people of Nazareth the truth about themselves. So you get the implication, right? If Jesus is this servant of the Lord spoken of in Isaiah 61, then the people who were listening to him were the ones whom the Lord through Isaiah had described as being poor, captives, blind, oppressed. so were we. Does that offend you? What, what kind of welcome does your heart give to that harsh news? That you are poor, not in terms of your finances, but poor in terms of your failures and your sins? Poor because you don't have so much as a nickel's worth of righteousness to be right with God or to buy a spot in his heaven? or that you're captive, 
That time was when we were bound up in sin, that we were hostages in Satan's death camp, that we were blind, I mean completely blind to the way of heaven, that we had no eyes of faith to see or appreciate or love or trust in Jesus as our Savior from sin, that we were oppressed. You know, that word in the original Greek has the idea of someone being beaten and bloodied, and it gives us the picture of a prisoner who sits in a jail cell, beaten and bloodied. That's what sin does to us. It beats us up and leaves us captive. What kind of reception does your heart give to that news? Well, the people of Nazareth at first gave Jesus a warm reception. They all spoke well of him and were impressed by the words of grace that came from his mouth. But the more they thought about it, the less inclined they were to keep on giving him a warm reception. They kept saying, they kept running this through their mind, isn't this Joseph's son? Wait, how can he sit there and claim to be the Messiah, the promised Son of God, when we watched him grow up right here in Nazareth? Just like that, the reception was over, and it turned into rejection. But what happened there in Nazareth also set the pattern for how Jesus would respond to that kind of rejection throughout his ministry. Okay, so think, if if this had been you, how would you have responded to this kind of rejection? Maybe you would have thought to yourself, whoa, that didn't go so well. They're really upset. Let me back off of that statement a little bit and stick with something that is going to be more popular with them. Not Jesus. Rather than considering this rejection to be a failure and then adjusting his message accordingly, Jesus calls attention to the fact that this is how it always had been. And he tells the people that they would go on to demand that he would show them the same kind of miracles that he did when he was in Capernaum. Jesus, you do for us what we tell you to do, and then we'll decide if there's any truth to your claim about being the promised Christ, the anointed one. Physician, heal yourself. Jesus, help yourself out here. Do some miracles, and then maybe we'll consider starting to believe your outlandish claims. But he doesn't, does he? Instead, Jesus points the people back to two episodes from the Old Testament scriptures that they knew all about. Episodes from the life and ministry of two of God's prophets, Elijah and Elisha. And Jesus reminds those people of what God did when his Old Testament people were breaking faith with him and were chasing after worthless idols. God had his prophets pick up and go and minister to Gentiles, people whom the children of Israel considered to be complete spiritual outsiders. Well, you get the implication, right? Jesus is telling them that if the people of Nazareth would break faith with God by rejecting Jesus, this promised Savior sent from heaven, then the gospel would be taken and preached to others who would give it a welcome reception. 
And the citizens of Nazareth were filled with rage. They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. So what did Jesus do? How did he handle that rejection? It's there in the last few words of our text. It says Jesus went on his way. He didn't quit. He didn't submit a letter of resignation. He wasn't completely deflated that people had rejected him, that his message was not received in the very place where it should have found a welcome home. And he certainly didn't change the message. Instead, it says he went on his way. He went on to teach and preach, do miracles in other towns and villages. And he kept on doing that, and he went on his way day after day after day until finally he went all the way to the cross. And there, heaven's hometown hero suffered in our place. And he bore the punishment that we deserve for our rejection and for our skepticism and for our spiritual laziness and for our apathy and for our failure to give God the worship he deserves and for all our sins. He suffered for the sins of the world all the way until he could say, it is finished. And then this Christ went on his way into your heart. And through the gospel and the powerful work of God the Holy Spirit, he came to people who once had stone-cold hearts that rejected him, and he gave us a willing spirit to receive him by faith. And the Holy Spirit connected us to Jesus. And thanks to the Spirit's work, this Jesus, friend, has found a welcome home inside your heart. That is the miracle of faith, and heaven is yours. Reception uncovered. Look, just like they did at Nazareth, the words of Jesus will always offend because they confront us with the truth about him and they confront us with the truth about ourselves. But let's understand something. They offend like an unwelcome diagnosis from a doctor. They offend like some life-saving treatment that comes with some nasty side effects. In other words, what causes his words to hurt is precisely what ends up helping us. Because when we see ourselves as we ought, as the broken, blind, poor captives that we are by nature, then our hearts are ready to give Jesus a welcome reception the kind of reception that he deserves. To receive him as our precious Savior. And so as we look back at what happened at Nazareth, we would say, Lord, keep faith alive in these hearts of ours so that they will always be a place where you, dear Savior, will find a welcome home until we're home with you in heaven, a heavenly home-going, a heavenly reception that will just be the beginning of joy that will never, ever end. Amen.